Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Well, praise God um, that I'm so glad, I'm so looking forward to sharing with you guys again tonight. Um, I'm, um, I'm so happy that there's that there's people here with us to get to share this with us and those for, of you that's watching at home. Um, I would have been here doing it on my own regardless, but I'm glad that there's people here <laughs> um, that we can uh, do this together. But uh, let me just pray first for, before we go any further. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, praise and we thank you, Father Lord, as the guys have already prayed, we dedicate this service to you. We thank you, Father Lord, for your word that never fails us. And we thank you, Father, as your word, Father, goes forth tonight, Father Lord, that, oh God, it'll just... Bless those people, bless the ones, bless these beautiful people that are joining us here tonight and for those that's, that's at home that can watch. Um, and I thank you, Father Lord, that, Father Lord, that it, this word, Father, will be seed planted in their hearts. I am, but a, I am but a vessel, Father Lord, that I just pray, Lord, that whatever you want spoken, you speak through me, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Um, last week we were um, talking uh, um, on an unshakable conviction, um, what, what an unshakable conviction looks like and how, how we get that. And um, I, I just believe, like, like I said last, last week, this has been really stirring up in me uh, the past couple of weeks and months. And I, I believe God wants us to check ourselves to see, you know, where are we rooted? Like, where is our, where is our convictions? Um, you know, because we're going to need to make sure that they're unshakable um, for, for what's ahead and for... Um, for uh, what is in store, but um, so I'm just going to do a, a recap of uh, some of the things that we spoke about last week, just to make sure that um, we're all, we all stay together, and um, we'll see how we get on from that. But so we started with uh, what was the definition of a conviction, and that was a firmly held, a firmly held belief or an opinion. We discussed to firmly hold something means you do not let it go. Um, it's something that you're sure about. It's something that you're rooted in. Um, we said that to have a belief in something was to accept it as genuine or real. To have a conviction about something is to be thoroughly convinced or persuaded of its truth, and it becomes personal. Um, you know, we discussed the importance of having personal convictions uh, about who God is and about what he says we are, um, because it's only through that relationship that we get rooted. It's only through that relationship that we get our conviction so like in him that nothing else can shake us our circumstances can shake us beliefs that are so deep and personal that we feel strong enough to stand in this society that's so antagonistic and so like against the things of God and turning that way and it's just so important to have our convictions in him um so we, we discussed that it begins at our salvation. This is the first step. And we, you know, we looked at Romans 10 and 9 where it says to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and uh, you'll be saved. Um, and we said that um, you know, it's our spirit man that's reborn. Um, we talked briefly on you know, we're made up of three parts, our spirit, our soul, and our body. And when we accept Jesus, our spirit man is reborn. We are a new creation in Christ. Um, and... The Bible says, and I love this, it's true, like the Bible says, just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And, you know, it says this world. It doesn't say when we get to heaven. 
it says in this world. And Amen. you might think, oh, well, I'm certainly not like Jesus because I done this yesterday and I done this last week. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you might not think you look like Jesus. But you see, that's where you need to have an understanding of it's your spirit man that has been made new. It's your spirit man that's exactly like Jesus is. And when God, God is a spirit, he deals with us spirit to spirit. So when God looks at you, he sees you in your spirit man. So he doesn't see you in your flesh. He doesn't see you in your, in your wrongs. And um, it's powerful. Um, our spirit's like Jesus. We still have a body and a soul. We still have a body and a soul, your mind. And that's what we said needs renewed. It needs trained up. It needs to be, and that's the part of us that our spirit man never doubts. Our spirit man is in line with God 100% of the time. And it's our mind that we need to, to get in line. It's, our, it's, our, um, it's how we think and it's, it's, how we, uh, it's how we think we feel that needs to be changed and needs to be renewed. And uh, our mind and our soul is the arena where we need to get our convictions secure, lined up with our spirit. Um, so we discussed that our salvation took faith. The seed was planted then. The Bible says, you know, we were all given the same measure of faith. Um, it's our trust in him that strengthens that faith and strengthens those convictions. Um, and then we went on to um, relationship and how important that was, how, we know, how important it is that we know him. And, you know, just like your relationships that you have from your day to day, like with your spouse or with your children or with your, you know, family or whatever, friends or, you know, you have a relationship with them because over a period of time you got to know them. You got to know their character. You got to know them. You got to um, spend time with them, commune with them. And you know, what comes with that as an automatic result is trust. So you're not going to trust somebody that you don't know. So if you don't trust your spouse or you don't trust your parents or you don't trust your brother, your sister, your friends, or wherever it may be, like what they say isn't going to have much weight with you because you only, you'll only be secured in you'll only, in what they say, will only be 100% gospel to you because you know them and you've built up that trust. That can't be shaken. Um, and it's, that's what we spoke about. You know, when, we, when you begin to know him, you fall in love with who he is and you commune with him every day. Build that relationship. Learn his word. It is through this that your convictions and how you see things get shifted from where they were over to him and what he says about you and how he sees you. But it all comes back to, you need to, in that relationship with him and we looked at John 10 10 where it says it is his like he came to give us life and life more abundantly so uh, he gives us a life uh, more than we could ever imagine it's like an abundant life here in this earth and it's not just again when we get to heaven it's for now he wants us to live an abundant life a life of victory a life in its fullness Jesus already done everything for us he purchased everything we need all we need to do is receive it we can't fully be committed to God if we don't fully commit to knowing him. And we discussed that we can believe in something and lack conviction. We can know of someone or we can know someone. A conviction is personal. And genuine conviction enables us to take a stand regardless of your circumstances. And we looked at the Apostle Paul and we said, you know, everything that he went through, you know, he had plenty of opportunity to waver in those convictions. But he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, for I know whom I have believed. 
he had an intimate revelation of God. He had an intimate relationship with him. And that's how he was able to endure those things. That's what gave him strength. Through this, he received his strength. Unshakable convictions come about from knowing him. Not knowing of him. You know, I was reading um, a few... I was reading a few things this week, but one of them that jumped out for me was from Smith Wigglesworth. And, uh, you know, he was a mighty man of faith. And, you know, he, he said some great things about the benefits of knowing God, relationship with him. And one of them was, when you know him, there are so many promises you can lay hold of, and then there's no struggle. Because if you know him, and you know his promises, you know what his word says, it's not a struggle to get those things. That's right. Because it's, a direct, it's just a direct one-on-one line communication with God. You know, if you know of somebody, you might know that they're able to do those things, but you'll always see yourself as, oh, I can't get them because I'm not, I'm not worthy of it, or I'm not, I don't have that relationship with them. And he used that scripture, Matthew, verse, or Matthew chapter 7 and verse 8, ask and you will receive, knock and it will be opened. It's that simple. He said, by simple faith, you claimed your rights and became Christians. So which we discussed that, started at your salvation. Been born again because you believed. But there's something different in knowing him, in having fellowship with him. There are heights and depths in this wonderful blessing in the knowledge of him. The unveiling of Jesus will take away yourself, what you want, your own desires, and place him in you. This will take away your human weaknesses and put within you that wonderful word of eternal power and of eternal life that makes you believe that all things are possible. It, it's just, I think that's incredible. It's just, and the words that just jumped out at me were in the knowledge of him. It makes your convictions and solid and unshakable. And I just want to share something with you there this evening. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And in verse, let me see, I'll take it from verse 16. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And in the Passion Translation, it says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. And that's what it's about. It's about that relationship. You know, he wants us to have the ability to to comprehend his word and truth and put it into use in our lives. And just like we said about, you know, when we know him and know his promises, there's, there's no struggle. When we intimately know God, and have that relationship, we have better spiritual understanding. The Holy Spirit gives this to us. You know, and it reminded me of, um, you know, in the book of Acts, chapter 3, I believe, in uh, chapter 3 and 4, when uh, Peter and John were passing by the gate beautiful in chapter 3, and they seen that man healed. You know, um, when Peter said, silver and gold I have not, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus. And he said, get up and, get up and walk. He grabbed him by the hand and he got up and his ankles and his legs immediately received strength. And you know, uh, 
as the people around that scene, they moved into the courtyard of the temple and they were preaching. And the religious leaders were furious and they pulled them together and they were arrested anyway. And they were like, in, like, like they were like, obviously, like the cheek of you, like in what name are you doing these things? In what name are you, are, are you preaching? And you know, let's just remember, Peter was an uneducated fisherman. Like he, you know, he spoke with such wisdom about, you know, about what was going on in that day there and then, but he was even quoting stuff from the Old Testament. And, you know, it was like he spoke with such wisdom and with such, you know, boldness. And it actually says, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke boldly. And, you know, if you just turn there with me, actually, because I want to point something out. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 8, that's where it said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and then he went on to read to say that to them. But in verse, I want to show you here, is in verse, um, let me see, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uh, not trained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know, it's very obvious to people around you when you have that communion with him. It's very obvious to people around you. Like, if you were to, look, if you were to think now um, about, I suppose, somebody looking at your life and looking at you, would, would they come away thinking, oh, you know, Paul has been with Jesus today. Cynthia has been with Jesus today. And it's like, it just oozes out of you. That relationship can be so seen on the outside. And you know, Peter and John had a boldness and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had a boldness. Why? Because their convictions were secure. There was nothing going to change their mind from that. They had, thereafter, they had just spent three and, uh, three and a half whatever years with Jesus, walking with him, talking with him. And, you know, and when they received his Holy Spirit, the, a boldness came upon them and they were able to speak with so much wisdom, with so much understanding and the knowledge of him. And it all came back because they knew who he was. That's how important it is. The Holy Spirit living in us will give us the spirit of wisdom and, and uh, just like Paul's prayer, but it comes from knowing him, having that relationship. We will have boldness and confidence in our convictions Amen. and what we believe and say because he is our source. Yes, he is. What is our source? He should be our source. We discussed the importance of growing up in Christ. We, look at Efe- we looked at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. You know, um, and it's, we, we discussed we can't stay babies forever. Like the milk isn't going to sustain us. You know, God has stuff for us to do. We need to start learning to digest meat. We need to grow up in the things of Christ. Um, and then we moved on to our identity. And I discussed, you know, what I want, wanted to kind of bring out was twofold, who we are and where we are. And we covered who we were in Christ and discussed that when we accepted Jesus, we are part of a new body. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen, all things have passed away and uh, have become new. So it's our spirit man, like we said at the beginning, has been reborn. Our identity is now found in him. He looks at us at our spirit. We are now who he says we are. And we discussed about, you know, the importance of leaving our old self behind. And I encourage anybody like to kind of listen to what pastor's been teaching on a, on a Sunday morning as well about being in him, but it's, um, it'll clear a lot of things up for you in, in this as well. But it's like, you know, uh, we can't go around with one foot in and one foot out. That's right. 
You know what I mean? You can't, it, you won't receive all God has for you that way. And sometimes people do that without even realizing. And um, it's like they're clinging on to who they were. And they can't, they can't just find that, you know, they may look at somebody else and be like, well, why can't I do that? Why is it working for them and it's not working for me? And it's because they're, they're not putting on him. They're walking around and still have their foot, one foot in, one foot out, one foot in the world, one foot in him. We will not get far like this and our convictions will be so easily shaken. We, and it'll be, so easily, it'll be so easy for the enemy to throw things at us and just knock us to our feet because we won't, we won't be rooted in anything. Our convictions won't be secure. We discussed the importance of, of realizing that when Christ died, we died too, to our old self. When he went to the cross, we went too. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says we were crucified with Christ. We can't hold on to our old life, our old sin nature, and receive all God for, has for us. We are a new creation in him. And, you know, in order to get, in, in order to, get to where we're going next, which is we're going to discuss where we are, we need to understand these things. We need to understand who we are in Christ. We're now the righteousness of Christ. In, we're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you know, I love this. You know, God is in the business of giving new identities. He's the best witness protection, <laughs> so to speak. You know, um, and you just look at some of the people like, um, oh gosh, he's just, God calls things that are not as though they were. So we need to start seeing things as God sees them. When we look at Abraham, and he changed his name to Abraham and called him the father of many nations, he was many years off receiving that promise. But, you know, God gave him a new identity. Because God seen him as who he was, and God seen him what he was going to be, not what he was now. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much where we kind of left off um, in a nutshell, I hope I wrapped it up the best way I could just to kind of keep us all up to speed. Um, something that I want to uh, kind of share with you tonight is uh, where we are in Christ. And what I mean by that is like our position of authority and triumph in him and um, what Jesus purchased for us. And again, we look at the book of Ephesians here um, and in chapter two. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, there's barely any room. I can... Uh, barely read it actually because it's that uh, highlighted and written all over it but we'll give it a go Um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 to 6 it says but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you know, if you jump back to the previous chapter, which is chapter um, one, and in verses 19 to 22, it talks about the father when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand. That was the highest place of authority in the universe. And that's where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father. And it's far above all principality and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. So, Chapter 2 and verse 6 tells us that when we accepted Jesus through faith, we were raised up together with Christ and are seated together with Christ. So like we said, when Jesus died, we died with him. Our old self died. When Jesus rose, we rose with him. And when Jesus sat down, we sat down with him. Hallelujah. 
we were raised up together with Christ and now we were seated together with Christ, which is far above all principality and powers and might and dominion than every name that is named. This is the authority we walk in in Jesus. You know, knowing this gives us such a boldness. When you understand this, when you get a revelation of this, it makes, you know, it makes our conviction so secure in, in all of in what his word tells us and all the promises we have when we know where we're seated, when we know what, where, what our authority is in him. We do not have to succumb to the temptations of the enemy. Why? Because he's under our feet. The same power and authority that Jesus used while he walked on this earth, has, he has now given to us. He tells us in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that he has given us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. He also tells us in John chapter 14 that whoever believes in him will do the works he done and greater. You know, many people, you see, um, many people don't like hearing this because uh, when you get a revelation of our authority that we have through what Jesus done for us and now where we are seated, um, it, puts the, it takes the onus off waiting for him to do something and puts it on us. And people don't like that responsibility. And Jesus has already done everything he's going to do. He's already done it all for us. He told us to speak to the mountain, not to speak to him about our mountain. He would not have told us these things if it were not possible. It's all possible through faith. But where are your convictions? He has provided it all and it is our part to receive it by faith. The authority belongs to us. We are seated with him in heavenly places, far above the enemy and his schemes and whatever he can throw at you. So why do we keep falling for them? It tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Does God put the armor on for us? He tells us to put it on. He tells us to stand and stand and stand and keep standing. We put on the armor. Authority is delegated power. The power was given to us through Jesus and we use it in his name. Too many times we're standing around waiting for God to do something and in the meantime, we're getting battered from the enemy because we're waiting, oh, well, God, why is this not happened yet? And why is this? And it's like, you're just, you're bringing all of your problems and you're like, God, do something. God, do this. God, do that. And he's like, this is why you need to realize where you are. This is why you need to realize what your authority is and what Jesus already done for you. The devil is a defeated foe. Colossians 2, chapter 15 says, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers, making a public, a public spectacle of them and triumph, triumphing over them in it. We are seated with Jesus. The authority we use is in his name. He defeated them. We use his name. That's it. Our convictions should be solid, knowing that they are under our feet. You know, I love how it says in Matthew 28, right at the end of the chapter, Jesus told his disciples that all authority had been given to him in heaven and in earth. And immediately after that, he sent, tells us to go. Go using his name. He authorized us. When we get a revelation of who we were, who we have become, and where we are seated, it will stir a boldness up in us and our convictions will become unshakable. You know, like I said, 
our circumstances shouldn't matter. What we're going through shouldn't matter. We need to get to the place where we know we will not be moved. Because things come and go. Circumstances change. Circumstances come and they go. We're up one week, we're down one week. You can't go by your feelings. You can't go by what we are. Like that's why, you know, when I said we're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body, you know, our soul will tell you, will try and tell you, oh, this is the reality because this is what you're feeling. Oh, you know, the devil's trying to put a sickness on you or, you know, you're trying to, um, you're dealing with whatever it may be. And it's like, it tr- he tries to make that look like your reality, but it's not. We need to always be looking through our eyes, eyes of the spirit, be always being in tune with that. The truths of God's word will never change. This is why we've been talking about these things and why it is so important to get grounded in him. He will never let us down. He is a sure foundation. He will not be moved and we should not be moved. You know, God will always want to bring us to a foundation. We should have a foundation of faith. Our faith must be firmly built on the rock. And in, every, in, all, in whatever part of your faith you must have something established in you to bring it forth and that establishment should be God's word God's word is the rock and everything else is sand and if you build on sand you know what happens it doesn't it doesn't stay it doesn't it's not a sure foundation it'll crumble and fade away our conviction in Christ and in what his word says the beliefs you have regarding the principles of his word and who you are in him are one of the biggest things that the enemy will try and steal from you or try and get you to not realize what it is or not try and like, hinder you getting that sort of um, deep revelation of it. He's a master deceiver. He may throw something at you like in a test or a trial in the form of whatever it may be, a sickness, a burden or whatever it is. And uh, it could be your health or your money or possession or whatever it is. He wants us to accept it, what he's trying to put on you. Because by accepting it, it ultimately gets you to doubt God's word. That's what he's after. He's after your convictions. He's after you. He wants you to doubt what God's word says about you. He's after your relationship because he knows with that relationship, he wants that separation. So he knows with that relationship, like it's a constant flow. He wants to quench your convictions. Our identity in Christ and our authority in Jesus are principles that are so dangerous to the enemy. He's powerless. All he has is deception. Keep our eyes in Jesus in every season and he will take you out the other side better than you were before. Amen. Um, You know, courage and peace when we know him. It gives us courage and it gives us peace through our relationship with him when we truly know him, not know of him, not know. And like I said last week too, like, you know, just because, you know, some people look at, oh, how many years they've been saved or how many years they've been going to church and they think it qualifies them to, you know, say, oh, I know God or I know, like, unless you have that relationship with him, unless you've been pressing in, unless you have that intimate revelation of him, you know, it doesn't matter. You can have that in six months. You can have that in whatever time. It doesn't matter. The more you get to know him, that comes with time too, and that will, more will be revealed to you, but it's all about that relationship. It's all about pressing into him. You know, I just want to show uh, something to you in the book of Daniel, and uh, it's about three, three young men whose convictions changed their nation, and that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And in chapter three of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, ruler in Babylon, made, made a golden image. He made all in the kingdom that when they heard a symphony, a sound of music, to bow down and worship this image. And uh, to fall on their knees and worship him. And we have three Jewish men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who along with Daniel had gained great favor with the king. If you read the chapter leading up to this, God gave them great knowledge and wisdom and they served before the king and he set them over the affairs of Babylon. So it says in chapter three that people reported to the king that these three men were not worshiping this gold image. King, uh, the king was enraged at this and he commanded that they be brought before him. He asked them, was this true? And gave them a chance to repent before him and worship this image. If they refused, they would be cast immediately into a fiery furnace. It's a very familiar story. A lot of us would have heard it. But in, uh, so if you look with me in Daniel chapter 3, in verse 16 to 17. And this was just after the king gave them a chance to repent and said, is this true? And they looked at him and they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And it wasn't, they didn't even say that to him in a disrespectful tone. It was just like, we're not even going to try and hide it. This is what we believe and that's it. That's what their conviction was in. They weren't going to do this. Like they were standing in front of, you know, the most powerful person in that kingdom, in that, in that area. And it was like they were been threatened with, with death, like. And the same as what we talked about with Paul back a while ago. You know, the fear of death shouldn't, when we say we should be unshakable, the fear of death shouldn't even shake us. We have no need. Oh yes, we've done that. If this is the case, we don't even have to answer you on this matter. If this is the case, our God whom we serve can deliver us from this burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. This is where we start to see the signs of their boldness. They stood before the king in all of his power and told him they would not be worshipping this image. And bear in mind, they already knew the consequence at this stage, like we said. They knew who their God was. They had a relationship with him. So this defiance made the king so mad that the Bible says his expression changed towards them. <laughs> he spoke and commanded the furnace to be heated seven times more than it was usually heated. You know, when I read this, um, the first, uh, like when I read it this time when I was studying this out, those, that, that sentence actually jumped out at me. And I was like, you know, when you're standing for something, you better be prepared that things can get seven times worse when you're standing by your convictions, when you're standing on what God's word says. You know, things can get seven times worse around you and a lot of people then don't get any further than that because they're like, oh, it must not be the case because I'm facing so much persecution. It's the enemy's trying to get you to doubt God's word, like we said. He's trying to doubt you to, get, to doubt what your authority is in Jesus. seven times more than it was usually heated. Like, the normal heat was, would have been enough. Like, it was <laughs> to kill anybody. Like, the seven times more, it was that hot that anybody that went near it was consumed. You didn't even have to be thrown in it. One final act to try and fill them full of fear. One last throw dice of the enemy to get you to doubt and embrace fear. You know, that's, that's the thing too. It's like, so many, your breakthrough is just right beyond that. And it's like the devil tries to, right, he's made it this far, she's made it this far, let's throw everything we have at him now to try and get him to, to falter. And see, this is why it's so important to know where your convictions are, to be rooted in him, to make sure that they're unshakable because, again, 
then it makes them, them independent of circumstances, independent of what he throws at you, independent of what you're going through. Hebrews 12, chapter 2 says, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where we should keep our eyes. This will sustain us through every trial because when you're looking at him, it, shrink, it shrinks your problem and he gives us ultimate peace. As we continue to look through the remainder of this chapter in Daniel, it tells us that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were bound in their garments and thrown into the furnace. The heat was so severe that it consumed the men who brought them over and throw them, to throw them in. Then the king rose from his seat, astonished, and asked his servants, did we not cast three men into the fire? He said, look, I see four men and they are not hurt. The fourth man is like the son of God. He went near the mouth of the fire and called them out and they came forth from the fire. You know, how good is our God that even in the midst of whatever fire you're going through, he is with us. Because like we said at the beginning, when you know him, you can stand in his promises and he promised us he would never leave us or forsake us. And if you don't know him, you don't know his word, you don't know his promises, you know, it's just religion to you. It's just, you know, oh, getting out of the house on a Sunday morning once a week and, you know, you're only fe like feeding snippets here and there, but you don't, you haven't, there's just boundless depths, boundless depths to it. We just need to dive ourselves in. They all gathered around the king and seen what had happened. They had seen that the bodies of these three men were not burned. Not a single hair was singed and their garments were not affected. The smell of fire wasn't even on them. <laughs> God will take you through the other side looking and smelling better. <laughs> the fire will have no effect on you and it will have no after effects on you. Stay standing. Stay your, keep your convictions in him and in his word. The king said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who delivered his servants who trusted in him. And I have these words underlined in my Bible in this passage, who trusted in him. This is so important. And where did we say the trust comes from? A relationship. Knowing where our convictions are, we must keep that trust. We must hold on to that conviction and hold on to his word. Proverbs chapter three and verse five tells us to trust him with all of our heart. Hebrews chapter 4 and 14 tells us, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. When you get that personal conviction on the inside, you cling to that and do not be moved from it. Circumstances might try to get you to sway from what you believe sometimes, but a truly rooted understanding of the word and a personal conviction in what you have in Jesus will withstand any trial. It will withstand any circumstance. I have five points from the, uh, um, about this story and I've kind of stuff on each point and I'm not going to get through them all tonight but I'll, I'll give you maybe the first one or two and again, we'll pick it up some other time, if not next week, maybe the week after or wherever the Lord leads us to do. Um, but these are so important. Um, these five points show us that, you know, it shows how Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego kept their conviction in, through this trial and it, it can show us how we can relate that to our lives. Number one, they were persuaded. You must be persuaded to make it through the fire. 
just like I was saying at the beginning, we must know the God we serve and we must also need to know who we are in him. They had faith in the God that they served. They knew that he was able to deliver them from that fire. Even in the face of it, like even in that, those times where they were trying, like it was heated seven times more, where like they were, everybody was looking on them and what they were going to do. The king, the most powerful man, he was just, everything was staring at them down the face for, you're going to die. You need to do what this man is telling you to do. They were persuaded. We have a new covenant through what Jesus did for us better yet so remember we said how can we persuade it in something or someone we do not know to know truly know him is to know his word to build a relationship with him and spend time with him to know his heart and be intimate with him this is when we begin to understand his love for us and that everything Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and when he rose again it was all for us to live that life a life more abundantly This must happen before we can get to the place where we can be fully persuaded. We have to understand what Jesus done for us. We need to make that first step and believing in him, confess him as our Lord and Savior. Then we need to realize, okay, who we were, who we we now are, and where we are. This will help us be fully persuaded. Point number two, and I'll close with this one tonight. Pressure will come. Bet your bottom dollar. (laughs) Pressure is inevitable when you're standing on God's word and believing for something. Just like the furnace was heated seven times more before they were thrown in, things will get thrown at you from all directions and sometimes it can be relentless. It can feel like just like, you know, and just like we were saying there this morning or this evening, sorry, a word from the Lord there was, you know, that when the righteous fall down, they get back up. And sometimes it can feel like it's a wave and it's just knocking you and knocking you and knocking you and knocking you and you can't sometimes you feel like you can't stay standing it just keeps knocking you but you get back up you get back up you get back up when you're rooted in something you get back up and you're standing you're not thrown about the place and land up over here and over there and way off track you're you may get knocked down but you get back up we can rejoice praise God in the times when things are heating up around you you know you're on to something good. Because we know the God we serve, we can be fully persuaded in our convictions. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 in the Passion Translation says, each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with each and every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape. I'm just going to give you the other points. It's not going to take me that long. Just give me another five minutes. Instead of ending in the middle of this. Number three, promise in the fire. So we had number one, they were persuaded. Number two, pressure will come. Number three, we have a promise in every fire. Isaiah 43, one to two says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. One of my favorite verses. What a hope. Through the flames and trials of life, he said he would be with us and no flame would overtake us or scorch us. When you're facing your fire, you grab a hold of that promise. 
you grab a hold of that, you get your conviction secured in that promise and in every other promise and you cling to it, cling to all that you know. He is faithful in every season. Point number four, there's protection in every fire. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went into the fire bound and fully clothed. But in verse 25 of chapter three, it tells us they were walking in the midst of the fire. And when they came out, not a single hair was singed, nor, nor a piece of their clothing burned. The smell of fire was not even on them. God will protect you in the fire. The very situation that had you bound, he will use to set you free. You will come out the other side without a sign of ever going through the fire. Psalm 91 tells us he gives his angels to take charge over us, protecting us in everywhere we go. Number five, promotion after the fire. In verse 30, it tells us the king promoted them in the province of Babylon. They went from the brink of death to a highly promoted position. That's the God we serve. You see, it's key to know the word and to know him because you can stand up in the face of your fire or giant or whatever it may be and already know the outcome. Like Smith Wigglesworth said, when you know him, you can grab a hold of those promises and there's no struggle. It shouldn't be a struggle. You can know that he will use this very thing to elevate you. Whatever you're going through right now, he will use that to elevate you to a new position. Get your eyes off what you can see in the natural and trust in his promises and what his word says and you can know that it is a done deal. These three men trusted in God and held on to their conviction right in the face of a fire that they could see with their natural eyes. They were trusting in God that they couldn't see with their natural eyes but they knew him. They had a relationship with him. Their spirit man was, it was, they, they knew him and Sometimes too, we are too focused on what we can see with our natural eyes and that throws us off track. Our conviction should be firmly in what God's word says and what in his relationship to us and then it doesn't matter what you see. But they were not moved by what they could see. They believed God would deliver them. As children of God, we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, an everlasting kingdom. We can have that unshakable conviction because we know who we are in Jesus and we know his word to be true. We will not be moved. We get to live in his goodness and victory. He is a good, good father. And he has given us so many promises in his word to stand upon. So many things to root, root ourselves in and root our convictions in that we, they will not be shaken but you have to know him. It all comes back to knowing him and not just knowing of him. It comes back to leaving your old self behind, pressing into what he is, knowing that you're a new creation in Christ. There's nothing that you have done or are doing that's gonna change that. He, is, he sees you by your spirit man. Your spirit man is eternally redeemed and God loves you. And he wants you to have your conviction secure. He wants you to be at a place in your walk where circumstances aren't going to sway you. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's coming before we do. And he, um, he wants us to be secure. He wants us to be steady, not moved, and uh, to be trusting in him. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you for your word.
We praise and we thank you for your presence, Father God. We praise and we thank you for these people that joined us, Father, tonight and they're joining online and for those that are watching later on, Father. And I just pray, Father Lord, that this word will go forth as seed, Father Lord, that it will not be stolen from them. I thank you, Father Lord, that they will get a revelation of who you are and who they were and who they now are and that their convictions will become unshakable. I thank you, Father, that no matter what they face or are going through right now, Father Lord, that it will not matter because they're rooted in you. They have a relationship. They have an intimate revelation of who you are and nothing can sway them from that. I thank you, Father Lord, that as people go about their week now, Father, do you keep them protected and safe? As your word says, Father, like we said in Psalm 91, that you'd send your your guardian angels to take charge over us, protect us in everywhere we go. No harm will befall us, Father Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for it. And thank you, Father, for this time we had together. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie